Hello and happy new year. <laughs> it's the only way I know how to say it. <laughs> you have that's to have pause. In fact, if somebody texts me happy new year, that's how I read it. Happy, happy new year. New year. <laughs> and midway through our little video there, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I should have had confetti ready to toss up in the air. Just, you know, to show you that I am in celebration mode. I'm glad that we have stepped into a new year. And that's not to say that I think that 2023 was terrible because I particularly was fond of 2023. I feel like um, I learned a lot throughout the year and, and I can't really say that it was easy. It, it wasn't, you know, absent of, of the difficult parts of life, but um, definitely was a blessing to, I feel, I feel, this is what I feel like. If I could encapsulate 2023 in just a single sentence, I feel like the Lord took our hand, you know, and, and sometimes that felt more like a, you know, slap across the face, <laughs> right. <A yank>. yes. <laughs> you know, being pulled out of something. It's so what I'm saying is it wasn't without discipline, but right. we have to see that as a blessing because the Lord only disciplines those he loves. So anyway, happy new year, guys. Welcome to 2024. If there doesn't feel like this massive crossover moment for you, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just, just continue on, continue contending. And, um, and, and you will, you'll stumble into the things that, that God wants for you to know. And, um, and, and it'll be good. So with that being said, we, um, we are, we are, we are on the hunt. I, I want this to feel like a massive Easter egg hunt for us. I want, oh, Anne-Marie, thank you. And happy new year from the U.S. of A. <laughs> Good morning, Yvonne. Um, so where was I? What was I saying? Massive hunt. Massive hunt. Massive like Easter egg hunt full of thrill, full of adventure, full of mystery. Because we are engaging in a book that the majority of us are going to be familiar with, but I am hopeful that we will find ourselves engaging in the books, a book of Acts in a way that we never have before, that, that we find ourselves surrounded by it. And, and even, can I say, drowning in it, I, there are just so many wonderful parts of this book that we need to, the Bible. Yes. Yes. The Bible. <laughs> the Bible, in particular, the book of Acts. So we are on a 28 week journey that um, I am super excited about. You know, it, it can feel daunting to read one chapter over a span of, of time, but you guys, like, there's so much. It, as you know, like, scripture is so layered. And just when you think you know everything about it, the Lord wants to re reveal something completely new and, and broaden our mindset to, to understand things in a different way. Application is everything, right? Mm -hmm. And, and so he, the Holy Spirit just has this, this unique way of, of taking familiar scripture and, and offering new application, which I love. 
I absolutely love. So I'm just going to give you just some ground rules. <laughs> when we are diving deep into a book and it's like concentrated study, you are going to feel a pull to become the mastermind on the topic of the scripture you are reading. You are going to want to be the authority of all things within the pages that you are reading. Don't fall for it, okay? That's my warning. <laughs> Don't fall for it. You are not the mastermind. You can, however, own the revelation that the Lord is giving you. But know full well that the revelation that the Lord is giving you is oftentimes for you. And, and, and this is what I want us to be really careful of is that we do not shut down somebody else's revelation because it's not our own. Let's allow space for mystery because mystery is the beginning of hunger right? Like when, when there is mystery involved, we just get sucked in and we need that hunger right now because I know for a fact that the Lord is wanting to teach us big, big things. Just, we are in a big teaching moment in this season and, and let's not crush it by um, shutting down somebody's beginnings of revelation and because that mystery will carry them into the hunger that they need today. So we aren't the authority on the book of Acts. We are leading into revelational mystery to create hunger. Fair? Have I laid good groundwork, friends? <laughs> I think so. By the way, I've missed you all. I've missed you. I feel like the last, has it been two weeks? It feels like a month. Forever. Forever. It's been so long that I feel like, oh my gosh, do I even know how to do this anymore? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I almost forgot that it was Wednesday. I know. I know. I do better. I do better with a, a schedule. That yeah. is the honest to God truth. Yes. Acts 1, kingdom, ascension, a prayer movement, and reconciling betrayal. <laughs> Step into the days of the early church with us. I loved, I love that. I love that so much. That's so good. It is, it is. The, the first chapter, we were just talking about that. The first chapter of Acts is like all over the place. And I want to, I want to start off by um, just offering some history on Luke himself um, Luke turns out didn't walk with Jesus. He, he didn't intimately know Jesus like, like the disciples would have that he did not have the opportunity to walk with Jesus for three years. Like, like the boys did. Luke was actually introduced to Jesus likely through Paul. So his encounter with, with Jesus was likened more to Paul than to say John, the, the, the writer of the book, the gospel of John. And so here we have a, a man who is like, he authors one of the gospels of the life of Jesus. And he didn't ever meet him face to face, like a man to a man, like the rest of the disciples did. And, and he was a physician and so he's someone who would have been attracted to detail. He would have been very articulate and would have been prone to mystery. He loved mystery, loved being able to see things that um, needed to be dug into. And so that's just a short little um, history on Luke. 
mainly just to get you digging in <laughs> to finding out more about um, the author of the book of Acts. And um, so with that, Vince, where do you want to start in this chapter? The, we, we could start in Luke, <laughs> like you did on <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it's it's a, a good thing because if you read them together, if you go back and read the end of Luke, you'll see that there is overlap when we get into Acts 1 and just that very beginning Um we get a little bit more about what was taking place between the time of the resurrection and the ascension. And so um, it, it's, it, it's interesting to go back and read these things and, and be able to say, wow, it's, it's oh, okay. I get a little bit more of the picture. I get a little bit more of the picture and, and start to open this up. And, um, and we get Jesus's last words recorded before the ascension here in Acts one. And, I think that's a, a good place to start. Sure. And uh, so we could start in verse six. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So they're wrapped up in, in Israel. And, and uh, we talked about this on Sunday morning and Sunday school. You know, they were looking for, um, I can't remember what you said, militant Jesus. You said something else. Rambo Jesus. Rambo <laughs> Jesus. That's what it was. They were looking for Rambo Jesus to come in and save the day from oppression. But really... Uh, there was a saving of the day from the oppression of sin and death. And that was something that needed to be understood. And, and so they're starting to have their, their minds opened up to what was actually taking place. And so he's telling them, don't worry about when that is going to happen. That's, that's not the, the issue here. Um, focus on receiving power and then being his witnesses. And, you know, this, this, this verse right here, it kind of lays out just a, a basic outline of the entire book of Acts, uh, the reception of power through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and uh, witness given in Jerusalem immediately afterwards when they, they stumble out, which is in Acts 2, uh, and, and the spreading of the gospel through the various uh, missionary journeys. And, and that pretty much sums up the book. Um, but we've got to look at this closer. We, we have to. Um, Acts 1.8 relates Jesus's response to the disciples' question about restoration of the kingdom to Israel. He doesn't, Jesus does not replace a narrowly focused nationalistic hope uh, for the restoration of Israel's dominion with uh, a universal mission as, as much as he sets the future of Israel uh, within the now more widely defined plan of God, which is bringing the family back together. Jesus's reference to uh, the mission in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Judea and Samaria, they, they represent significant progress uh, in, in this direction and gives, gives sign really to, to the development of the mission in, in later chapters of Acts. And, and so it's, it's really interesting. 
And there is, um, in the dictionary of the later New Testament and its development, it says that Luke must have had in view in Acts 1.8, a purely geographical connotation, as is often emphasized, can hardly be sustained. For space is never measured in purely geographical terms, but always imbued or inspired or, or permeated uh, with symbolic power. Geography, and especially such geographical markers as Judea and Samaria, is not a naively given container, but rather a social production that both reflects and uh, configures being in the world. Hmm. So we're going to get into some cosmic geography this coming Sunday. Uh, so more to come on that. But here uh, in these words is, is the setup of the reclaiming of the nations, not only Israel, but all of the nations back into the family of God. Uh, here you, you can hear in this the echoes of the words, both Jew and Gentile. So seeing that in scripture, this is the beginning of that starting to take place. So getting back to, to earthly geography and, and out of the, the mind of cosmic geography, Luke doesn't ever identify Rome as uh, the mission's final point. Uh, the book of Acts may end in Rome, but that isn't the end of the earth that Jesus spoke about. Rome, uh, it, it serves as nothing more than a, a new point of departure for the mission, like Jerusalem and, and Antioch were earlier. Uh, so uh, getting into another uh, dictionary, or, or excuse me, back into that same dictionary. It says, although in the literature of Greco-Roman antiquity, the meaning of the phrase, the end of the earth, was used to refer to Spain, Ethiopia, and so on, one must inquire into how this phrase functions in this context. At this juncture in Acts, the meaning of the end of the earth is polysemous, uh, having multiple meanings. Uh, that is, we have been given almost nothing by way of interpretive guidelines for identifying the reference of this phrase. As a result, one may read through the narrative inquiring at multiple points. Is this the end? And if so, will God's dominion now be realized? It's, it's interesting to start to look at, at these phrases and with Rome being the focal point of the empire, there is surely people in and out of there all the time, continually, who, who could potentially be exposed to the gospel. If this exposure did occur, they would undoubtedly encounter the same gospel messages on their, their travels, uh, other places where, where stories and accounts of what was witnessed in, in, and heard in one place is now shared with others in, in another place. You can see the spread starting to happen in your mind and, and see how things start to move out. So our understanding of the end of the earth is, is much fuller than what was known in the first century, at least to the writers of the New Testament. So we, can, we can't hold that against it, uh, but we can't allow ourselves to gloss over things we think we know uh, what's happening. You know, further investigations required. These are, are Jesus's last recorded words before the ascension. So it's likely they were chosen carefully. So we have to be digging into these and, and going out and, and searching to see, see what we can find, what, what is being revealed here. There is, there's a lot happening there when he starts to bring Judea and Samaria into this, this, this is a representation of, okay, we're starting here in Jerusalem. 
But from here, it's going to start to spread out. It's going to start to go further and further. And, we, and we'll get to see that as we go through the rest of the book. But we have to be thinking about the reclaiming of the nations, the, the nations being brought back into the family of God. It's something we have to keep on our minds. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jesus' message doesn't change. This isn't a change in his message. He's been saying this. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go into all the world and make disciples of the nations. And so he doesn't change his message. He just gives more detail. He just offers them more detail in what it is that he's asking them to do. And, and I think that we would be completely amiss to, to not um, throw out kind of a blanket statement of when you're reading the book of Acts, if you do so outside of the lens of oneness, you're going to miss the the full picture of what it is that Jesus set them up to do in the first place. There, there is nothing in this book that that is about an individual. Every story that is told points back to the whole, the church, the bride. And, and so to, to look, to, to start sectioning them off, well, Peter did this, Paul did that, Luke wrote this, you know, on and on and on, um, it would be a miss. We have to, we have to start thinking differently. And I, I understand, you know, we, we have been brought up under individualism and, um, and it's honestly been a disgrace to the church to do so. And so we've got to put on now, just go ahead and physically do it. You know, I wouldn't be a prophet if I didn't make you actually do it, <laughs> put on your oneness thinking cap <laughs> because it's not about you, you know? It's not about you. It's not about what it is that you can accomplish, what it is that you can do, what it is that you think. Everything has to point back to the body of Christ. We have to start thinking in terms of union. Everything that I say and do creates development or a tearing down, right? We know that the power of life and death is in our words. And so when we, when we are so frivolously speaking, we need to stop and take account. Ah, am I building the kingdom of God right now? Am I developing oneness in my sphere of influence? Or am I contributing to the, the systems of darkness? Mm -hmm. And so everything in this book points to, and what Jesus is saying in this section of Acts 1, he's pointing them to oneness. He has already given an account through his prayer with the Father about oneness. Incorporate them, Father. Let's do with them like you and I have it. Let's bring them in. Let's fold them into us. That's what Jesus is ultimately talking about here. Don't miss it. It's not about Jew. It's not about Gentile. Reach the ends of the earth with the gospel of oneness. That you're included. You have been brought in. Against your will, you've been brought in. Now it's up to you to, to believe. But against your will, you were brought in. We were, we were co-crucified co-buried, co-raised, and, and, and now we are co-seated. I like to call it co-mingling. We're co-mingled. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I like the word commingled. I do too. I swear I read it somewhere, but it's probably in the message. <laughs> I've never been able to find it. Yeah. <laughs> and we searched. And we searched. Possibly that. This is absolutely correct. I mean, oneness is the one thing we can't miss in all of this uh, because, you know, uh, in, in reclaiming the nations, we're reclaiming family. And family is about oneness, it's not about the individuals. And so, yeah, we have to we have to make sure we keep our eye on that on on oneness. It's it's just bringing everybody back into the family, yeah. And that's what God wants. Yeah. What a big, beautiful invitation. It really it's, is. It's amazing. And and when 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 I look at what God is doing in and through us right now. You know, he's, he's, he's not only, he doesn't just have us in the posture of a student for the sake of, of gaining knowledge so that we can spew it out and sound smart. It's, it's pointing toward oneness. It's bringing us in. It's, it's creating a cohesiveness. And, and until we can really take on the, the mind of Christ, we will not understand what he's after in terms of, of union and, and until we can um, look at the struggle of our neighbor and see ourselves in it, we won't get it. We won't get it until I can look at the person who has great success and see myself in it rather than being provoked to jealousy. We won't get it. And so there, there are, there is a great undoing as much as there is a, a absorbing new information and becoming something new. There is, there is an undoing, a sloughing off of that individualistic nature that, that we need to, to get rid of. We, we are, we are no longer, I can't even believe we got away with superstar Christianity as long as we did. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are warnings. <laughs> There are warnings in the Bible about the super apostles, you know, and, and that that can be we can just label it superstar Christianity. It, yeah. it, this is why we're seeing so many failings right now. But we would be amiss even in the failings, the great failings that we're seeing right now, the great stumblings. We would be amiss not to look at them and see ourselves in it. What can we learn from it rather than putting on a, an arrogant um, mindset in that, like, oh my gosh, well, he missed it. He look at him, you know, he totally missed it. He's he's fallen. He's you know, we we have to start putting ourselves in the midst of it. This is what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Jesus went to the least of these. In fact, he gathered the least of these and called them his disciples. Yeah, and then commissioned them to go reach the ends of the earth with my message put aside put aside the timings have one thing on your mind yeah we talked about that when we looked at camp life weeks and weeks and weeks ago the the rebellions in the book of numbers hold up a mirror for us to see our own rebellions and the reason why jesus went to the cross for us yeah was, was because of of what we've done yeah, we lived after it, but it doesn't change the fact that that is the reason why is our yeah. our own rebellion. And 
and you're absolutely correct. We cannot let these these failings of others go by without closely examining what happened. Because you, you talked about it uh, weeks ago. Uh, uh, people don't set out to, to fall like this. They don't set out to uh, be corrupt. Mm -hmm. uh, not saying that's universally the case. However, by and large, we know people don't set out with, with corruption, with, uh, um, um, I'm losing the word um, that we've been talking about, compromise. They don't set mm -hmm. out with compromise on their heart. That, that's right. not what the desire is. And, and so at what point does that change? And, um, and and we have to take take Jesus's words here in this first section of, of Acts and say, okay, what's important? Well, did they lose sight of what was important and they started focusing on this other thing that they yeah. thought was was important? Mm -hmm. Same thing. If we're looking for application, there it is right there. Find the mm -hmm. lesson in, in what was happening. How did they lose focus? What led to that loss of focus? What, what steered them in that direction? How could that have been avoided? Yeah. All of the things that, that you know, it's easy to, to you know, come in on the backside and say, oh, you know, you could have done this better. You could have done that better. You could have had this right. in place. But are we actually then taking those very same things that, that we're, we're pointing out and applying them in our own lives? Mm -hmm. Are we actually walking that out? We, we have to, we have to remember to, to do that. And the, the wonderful thing is, is that the, the power that Jesus talked about of Holy Spirit coming upon them is the same Holy Spirit that is indwelling us now. Yeah. We have access to that power to be able to, to be um, God controlled, to, to not venture into these, these things that are going to, to get our eyes off of what the mission is. And that's sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth. We can't yeah. let these things pass by. Yeah. You know, there, there's an old saying, you become what you behold. And, and I, I think even to, to take our eyes off of, of Jesus in, in the purest form that we have access to, we will misstep. We will. You become what you behold. And, and so to, to take our eyes off slightly gets us into trouble yeah we you know it, it, it we know it's a narrow road it's a narrow road and and it forces the issue of beholding the lamb alone and this is what you see you know on, on the the back side of jesus's last words of like you're gonna go to the ends of the earth with this message and and they behold him being lifted up which is just absolutely stunning and I try and put myself in these places in these monstrous stories in the bible where it's like we're talking about Jesus here he's already like blown their little bitty minds mine would have been 
mine would have been oh, yeah. totally, totally blown. I like to 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 pretend like, you know, I would be the John in the group where, you know, I would have stayed with them through thick and thin. But the truth is, I probably would have been more like Thomas, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. It's just more my nature to 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 want the 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 proof, and um and I, I I hate to admit that, but it's it's probably more more aligned with the truth, and and what I've done, standing there in that moment, watching the one you clung to, right, just be lifted up and and. You know, it changes every time I consider it, it kind of changes slightly. And because I was starting to think about, you know, he, he, he stuck around for 40 days. Anne-Marie was like, I think it was somewhere that was 40 days. It was 40 days. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus was resurrected and he was around for 40 days. And he was telling the disciples more about the kingdom. Don't you wish we had more of an insider's look on what all of those conversations entailed? My gosh, what did they get to know? What right. do they know? But um, I keep losing my train of thought. This tells me I have I'm out of practice. <laughs> Talking about insights into those conversations. Yes, and oh, so you know the understanding that you know the kingdom of God we know is at hand. We understand it now as um, as a realm, right? That we can we can enter into, we can reach into by faith and pull things from the kingdom realm into the now and, and cause it to manifest. And so I started thinking about this moment of Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus's ascension and, and what that would have been like. And we know that ascension definitely means upward, right? But upward and in to the kingdom realm is is where Jesus would have gone. And so even as I was like considering, oh my gosh, he ascended into the kingdom realm in this moment and the kingdom realm is at hand. And so then I find myself just kind of like fishing for, <laughs> for Jesus, <laughs> knowing that he is the kingdom realm, right? Like he... He ushers in the kingdom realm. And so we have access. And I mean, that's beside the fact that, you know, we are co-seated in heavenly places. And but just knowing that that we have access. So guys, like allow the mystery to just kind of take you over. It's it's this is this is where the fear of the Lord is going to begin to envelop you when you allow yourself to to have these childlike moments where you're provoked to wonder and then you're brought into holiness himself and, and get to experience the fear of the Lord, which we know is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. That's good. We should take a brief moment to, to greet the people. Yes. <laughs> I've seen different names pop up, Cindy and Chris and Lisa. And I think Virginia, I think I saw Virginia pop on. Yeah, she so, did. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're glad to have you with us. This is going to be a fun adventure. It is. It's going to be a fun adventure. Hey, and if you have... Um, revelation that you've gained. If you're going to follow along with us and and 
over this next 28, well, I suppose it's 27 weeks now, but we're on a 28 week journey. And if you have revelation, share it with us, share it with us. We don't want it to be about our voices alone because right. that would really diminish the idea of oneness. What do you have to bring to the table? Yeah. We'd be missing out on a whole lot of gifts from the kingdom. We, we would, we would. So share away. And just know that we are not doing one chapter a week. Some no. chapters are going to take multiple weeks. There'll be multiple <laughs> chapters combined into one. Um, we'll keep you apprised to how it's going to break down though. Yes. When we know, when we know, you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> There's some more mystery for you. <laughs> All we know right now is that over the, the 28 weeks, the first 28 weeks of the year, we are going through the book of Acts. Yes. And for those of you that are following along with all things unedited life, that leads us right into the Behold Conference that will take place, I believe, July 12th through the 14th. Is that correct? Somebody fact check me. Um, we have um, we have Mark Richmachen and Rebecca King coming in and possibly a third speaker. You'll know when we know. <laughs> Let's just say we're really excited about the possibility. <laughs> I, I'm certainly excited that, you know, so. Yeah. Yes. 12th to the 14th is correct. Nice, Chris. I love, I love my Behold sweatshirt. Um, and speaking of the conference, we will have registration open soon, sometime in yes. January, soonish. So, um Anyway, do you have anything else to add to this topic? Um, I feel like we just took a commercial break. We did. <laughs> That's fine. Helps us gather our thoughts. It, you know, there's more we could get into. Um, and what you got to understand is, is some of you who aren't here locally, we are doing Sunday school. We are talking about uh, these chapters. We are going through them together. And then we are having service immediately following that. So you're going to get a broader picture. So if you didn't listen to this last Sunday service, it's up on the podcast. Um, we will get uh, links posted on social media of where to go listen to that, but go back and listen to it because you're going to start to, to gain more than what you're going to get here. And, and we are having multiple discussions about this. So if you're wanting to, to follow along if you're wanting to interact with this and 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 really get involved with this you're going to have to do some study on your own uh, there are some it, i don't know what you have access to in the way of study materials but there are websites out there that you can look at to get free commentaries free uh, dictionaries uh, all, all the different tools that you need to help you study further to, yeah. to start looking at some of the cross references and, and digging into what they mean i mean there is multiple uses of the Old Testament in the first chapter of Acts. And why is that happening? What, what, is, what is being said there? Is this just echoing something from the Old Testament? Is there an illusion there? Is there a direct quote? Uh, so start digging into this stuff deeper because if, if you are going to come in with, with your gifting from the kingdom and share the revelation that you have, it's going to take some some dedication to get into scripture on your own time. Yeah. Like, like Angie said, right up front, we are not the experts here, but we are bringing revelation that we, we come across in our own time 
with Holy Spirit with our own time of study. And so we, we want to, we want all of you involved with this. We want to hear what it is that's being revealed to you, what your, your wisdom and understanding is that's coming out of this. We want to share that. We want to share that with everyone. We don't want to be the ones up on, on the stage, you know, uh, uh, with all the answers because yeah. that, that would be a lie. Yeah. We don't have all the answers. So yeah. that, that that's what I wanted to add here. I, I mean, there, there's certainly plenty more that we could discuss here, um, but we are not going to get through everything today. Mm-hmm. Um, we could spend hours and not get through everything. Yeah. And I think that just for some background information for you, um, one of the things that we did um, the beginning of December was as a, a, a leadership team is really dove into um, synagogue. What what was the synagogue? What what was the point of of synagogue in in ancient times? And and it was I, it blew my mind. It honestly it blew my mind what they used this synagogue for, and 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 study was one of them um, to to become students. It was a huge part of having a synagogue. And if you remember, the temple was for specific people. Not just anybody could utilize the temple. So synagogue became a more common place for people to gather. It was a place of prayer. It was a place of worship. It was a place of study, a place of celebration. In fact, some some of the resources that we came across what were a little, they laid out really strict guidelines for synagogue. Like there was no food to be had in, in the synagogue there. You know, it was, it was a place that was known as, as a, a place to meet up with God, to learn about God, to remember what God had done. And, and so it was a place that was really set apart and, and, and oftentimes depicted as a place that was filled with with books or scrolls, whatever it was that they would have had at the time. And um, so, so really probably more likened to, to a library that maybe didn't have the rules, right? Um, (laughs) Our our libraries here in America, there's just like this, like known unspoken rule where you're supposed to whisper. And it's always so bizarre to me to walk into a library because everything is like so hushed and, and it's not even like it's, it's not posted anywhere that you're supposed to be quiet. Anyway, my point is, is that I don't think synagogue was like this. I think that it was a place that they shared stories. They shared revelation. They shared ideas. They shared principles. They shared the law. They shared they shared life. They did life together in, in synagogue. And, and so it's really a first picture of, um, of what church would be like, where they shared all things in common. Um, they, they would have, they would have celebrated life events in this place. And, um, and so it it really puts us in a space of understanding, you know, God's intention for the church that we would come together to really do life, you know, in in our church settings, it's more like, I'm going to put my Sunday face on, right. And, and I'm going to play the part that is expected of me and, um, and and buffalo everybody around me because I am a masked human being. And there's no reason to be real because I'm just a number. 
that's not what synagogue life was about. And that's not God's intention for the church. We, we are to be known and, and, and to fulfill the call of God on our lives. We are to be heard. And, um, and the only way to, to do that, to, to reverse what I think is a curse um, on the church of, of just existing within the space that, that, that we call church is, is to really change up what it is that we're doing, which leads to why we stepped into um, doing Sunday school. You know, when God first threw that out, we were like, Sunday school, like, what? Why would we do that? That just, for me, felt very old timey and like old time religion kind of thing. And, um, but then once we dove into understanding synagogue, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is huge. We have to do this. We have to do this. We have to become students of the word. We need to be grounded in God's word and, and to be able to be tested in that. And, and I think that, that when, when you have an institution that is focused toward one individual, there's, there is no challenge for everyone in the space. And, um, but when you set up in a school setting, in a classroom kind of setting, in, in a, a forge, that's, that's the thing that's just on my mind in a forge, you know, where everybody comes together and creates this space where, where you know, form begins to take place in, in each person in the room in, in our mentality and our hearts and our souls and our spirit just go sailing. Wow. That's what I want. And so that's, that's what led us to, to setting up doing a, a Sunday school style, um, of, of approach to, to Sunday morning. And, and I can tell you this much, this last Sunday was um, valuable. It was valuable. We had um, kids sitting at the same table as the adults. There were Bibles and notes and pens and side conversations and, and full conversations <laughs> And, and just people throwing around different thoughts and ideas. And I expect this to, to, to grow, you know, mm. that, that, that the volume will begin to rise as, as we get more comfortable with having to bring our part, having yeah. to come full and, and overflowing and, and ready to, to share what it is that, that God has filled us with. And, and I, I hope it gets to the point where, you know, you, you even have people like talking over each other because, because of excitement, not rudeness, but because of yeah, excitement yeah, yeah. and, um, and, and just can't wait to get, to get out what it is that God revealed and, and to hold those things in attention and, mm-hmm. and, and to, to be willing to be like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't actually see it that way, but maybe, you know, mm-hmm. let's investigate that. And, and that's such a good word. You know, yeah. Just like let's let's investigate. Let's investigate the word of the Lord. Yeah, and, and being ready to bring your part wasn't even the uncomfortable portion of that. It's it's uh, becoming the essence of prayer that we stepped into on the backside yes. of, of praying, and and that is is something that is so on our hearts for this year to really just dive deep into prayer. We need to become the essence of. We need to become a prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and that is something else that we can see in Acts 1 is they were, uh, they, they followed the command of Jesus to go and wait for Holy Spirit to show up. Yeah. And in that time, 
they devoted themselves in one accord to prayer. Yeah. What did that look like? like this this is something else where the the talking over one another is perfectly okay. Yeah. I can hear all our prayers at one time. And if something's on your heart to pray, just pray. We're so organized, you know. Uh, we're far too organized we're and far too so like, organized mm-hmm. and and like this like unspoken politeness rule when it comes to oh, yes. to prayer and and it's just it's so bizarre and, and not only i mean was it in, in one accord but to better understand what that meant was they were of one soul or they were of one mind yes. and that's nothing short of miraculous mm-hmm. and and so i just don't think that it was like the the polite way that we approach prayer where it's like popcorn prayer you take your turn and then after a lull in time I'll know that you're done praying and then I can come in on the back side of that and you know it's all like predetermined prayers that we're holding in our minds waiting for our turn to to say not thing. hearing anybody else <laughs> it's so bizarre <laughs> why do we do this it's just crazy and so I, and you I, think about 120 of them in this upper room all crammed in there. Like it couldn't have been that orderly. No, no. I, I know I've told this story, but I, I want to tell it again because I, I think it's it's relevant. Um, I was in in Houston at Tommy Arimi's church when Emma was in town in July, and uh, Emma Stark, and um, and it was I don't remember accelerator prophetic accelerator is what it was, and it was a week long thing, and um, I mean we're talking all day long, and um, and then they had their regular church events that were still taking place, and anybody who was attending the conference or the accelerator it was not a conference um, could attend these things and you're just kind of like well we're here you know <laughs> let's get it as much in as possible and I think it was day two and and when I say accelerator that's no joke I mean you're talking like eight to ten hours of just non-stop you're trying to drink from a fire hydrant kind of scenarios and um and so on the second day um, they had a their regular Tuesday night prayer meeting, and um, and we were absolutely exhausted at this point. <laughs> and um, and, and but we're like, we gotta stay. We we have to stay for this. And um, and so and so we did. And and I am like thirty minutes in, and everybody's just kind of doing their own prayer thing. And um, and and, and I'm sitting there going like. I can't even stay awake at this point. You know, I was so exhausted and I, and I was feeling guilty for being tired and not being able to like pray effectively. And these people are going crazy in the room. And, um, and, and then it was at that point that, that Tommy grabs the mic and he's like, we need, we need to, um, what's the, we need to travail tonight. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I barely I got have- no travail in me. My eyelids open, let alone travail. That sounds like a whole lot of energy. And, um, but I was willing and he called everybody up front. And and so there's like no out at this point, like you're up front and then we're supposed to take the hands of the people next to us. So there, you have no option. You know, you're, you're going to pray at this point or and you're going to travail to be honest. And, 
and there was there was nothing orderly in our terms of order when it came to their prayer night. I mean, it was they lifted up their voices in one accord to to pray. There there was there was even the person that had the microphone and was praying everybody in the room was still praying out loud. And, and I, I kid you not, like prayer became you in, in this mm-hmm. space. They had cultivated a, a, an environment that just, you, you had no choice. It dictated that you were to become a prayer. And, and so I found myself, you know, in this space of intercession and, and travail and, and I couldn't shut it off. You know, before where I couldn't keep my eyes open. Now I'm like, I, I don't even know. Is there an off button? To this? <laughs> you know how you can be, you can be engaging in the activity and your mind is trying to like reach for answers. And, and I'm like, this is incredibly cool, but how is this working? <laughs> and I wanted so desperately to be able to bottle the moment up and bring it home and pour it out because I knew that, that that we were missing out on something so important when it came to corporate prayer. And, and so this was really my first experience in something so wild that involved prayer. And you're talking about hundreds of people, you know, filling the space and everybody is linked together, you know, and, and there's not, there's not a silent person in the room. You can hear moans just filling the room and weeping. I mean, it was, it was loud and, and chaotic. And, and I think that one thing that we forget is the chaos of heaven, the chaos of the throne room. There's a lot going on. There is a, there is a cadence in the throne room and, and it's nothing short of chaos. You have lightning and thunder and chanting and the the clinking of crowns being tossed and and prayers and praise at all at once there's only one time in scripture where we're told that there would be silence and even that i am convinced is incredibly loud mm-hmm. And so I just, I wanted to share that, that experience because I, I, I that's what we're invited into. Yeah. We're invited into something that is not so dang polite. Mm-hmm. I, I think that our, our politeness is honestly just an excuse to not yeah. enter fully in. Yeah. And, and, and don't forget the oneness factor in, on all of this too, in, in, looking to be selfless and not selfish here. Yeah. Prayer isn't about materialism as much as we want to make it about that here in the U S yeah, it, that's not what it's about. And so don't, don't forget to, to focus on oneness and, and what it means to be together in, in one accord, having the same mind, you know, we have yeah. the same source. We have the same foundation in Christ. Let's, let's stand on that. And, and be in one accord, pray yeah. with each other, pray yeah. over each other, pray over go, go yes. for each other. Yes. Go for it. Yes. Oh man. I am. I am. That's what I'm after. I'm looking for, for holy chaos. And and I think it's the professionalism that, that the oh, majority yeah. of us have grown up in that has really deterred us from the holy chaos. And let's drop yeah. the professional act because here's the deal. Jesus was very clear 
when the disciples asked him about prayer, you know, he's like, don't be like them who's just, who are just trying to attract attention. Yeah. It's just an invitation. Let's, let's, let's go all in. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's put oneness on display by lifting our voices in one accord and and let's go after the holy chaos. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Warts warts and all. (laughs) Yes. Making the prayers all about Jesus and not one another. Yes, 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 Mm -hmm. yes, yes. Absolutely. I know. I, I, I hope that we get to the point where we have a hard time separating prayer and praise. Mm-hmm. I really do. In, in our corporate settings, that's that's my my hope is that yeah. we have a hard time knowing the difference, that it just kind of. And that we will understand all different forms of worship and yeah. not just box ourselves into singing and playing instruments. Yes. Yes. That's the that's the other pitfall is mm-hmm. is we have believed that we have been buffaloed. That that worship um, requires instruments and song. No, it does not. It requires a heart after the heart of God. That is the essence of worship. So, and we've talked about this at length that we are worshiping at all times because we were made to worship. So, what you behold, you become. Yes, I was just going to say it's got to go back to what you said earlier become what you're beholding. Yep. So, all right. Yes. Me too, Chris. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being with us this morning or this afternoon, wherever you're at in the world. Um, I, I always feel like we're sharing the same space when, when you're commenting and, and engaging, yeah. it just, it, it makes, it makes the world feel like it's all one room. Right. It like does. we are in that upper room and we're contending together and we're making much of Jesus. So mm-hmm. thank you for, for jumping in and being part of what we're doing. And and here's to a great year. Yeah. Let's be hold of this year. Let's seize this year. Mm-hmm. Take it by force. Love you guys. <laughs>